the text for this morning's worship service is taken from John 3, the verses 3 through 5. Let's read that once again. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 51, the stanzas 4 and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that includes you boys and girls, this morning we have in front of us three newborn babies. The birth of children is a wonderful event in the life of a family and also in the life of the church. Every time a child is born, we stand in awe of the miracle of birth. Although there are a lot of things we do not know about the exact process of the birth of a baby, in broad outlines there is no mystery. We know how it happens and when it happens. The text we are dealing with this morning also deals with birth, but it deals with spiritual birth. That's also a miracle. However, many of us are not as certain about when it happens and how that happens. At what point in your life do you have the Holy Spirit? Does a little baby already have the Holy Spirit from birth? And how exactly do I receive the Holy Spirit? Do I receive the Holy Spirit because I have been born into a Christian family? Is it an automatic thing? And how do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? Are you certain that the Spirit you have is the Holy Spirit from God? There appears to be a lot of things we don't know about the Holy Spirit. One thing we do know, however... And that is that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. That is clear from what the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus. And we read the same thing when we read the form of baptism of children together. The form quotes this text. But when the Lord Jesus speaks these words, he speaks to them, he speaks them to an adult. How can you apply that to children? And so there are a lot of questions that need answers. I will preach to you about the miraculous work of being born again through the Holy Spirit. And then we will see three things. Our rebirth is, in the first place, initiated by the Holy Spirit. In the second place, confirmed in the covenant. And in the third place, controlled by God. So then the theme is the miraculous work of being born again through the Holy Spirit First, then, we will see that our rebirth is initiated by the Holy Spirit. It is noteworthy how the Lord Jesus comes to speak about the concept of being born again. The issue came about because of a question from a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was puzzled by who the Lord Jesus is. He observed the miracles that he was doing, and saw the excitement that he stirred up amongst the people, and he wanted to know more about him. And so he comes to the Lord Jesus at night. 
Some say that he came to him at night because he did not want the other Pharisees to know that he was coming to see him. He wanted to keep it secret. However, the text does not say anything about that. It just mentions that he came at night. It could well be, and that is more likely the explanation, that he came at night because in the evenings things were more quiet. At night you have fewer interruptions and and are more easily able to have a lengthy and deep-going discussion. And that's what Nicodemus wanted, for he was struggling with something quite profound. He was a very religious man and took his relationship with God very seriously. And that is why the ministry of the Lord Jesus was so troubling to him. Nicodemus wondered whether or not he was the Messiah. Now, Nicodemus did not ask the question whether or not he is the Messiah from the Lord Jesus directly. But the Lord Jesus could see that that was the question that was in his heart. Instead of addressing that issue, the Lord Jesus takes a completely different tack. He does not confirm or deny that he is the Messiah. He could have done that. He could have quoted from the Old Testament and shown to Nicodemus how everything in the Old Testament points to his coming and that now it is being fulfilled. He could have pointed to the miracles that he is doing and to all the other signs that show him to be the Messiah, the Son of God. But he does not do that. Why not? Well, the Lord Jesus knows that it really would not make any difference in the mind of Nicodemus. If you want to understand who the Messiah is, and then you cannot gain that understanding through a logical reduction. Not that logic and reason is excluded, not at all. But in the final analysis, it is always a matter of faith. It is a matter of the inclination of the heart and the mind. If you don't want to believe something, then you won't, no matter what evidence is being presented. Mankind is still the same today. We can all observe the miracle of creation. We can clearly see how this wonderful creation could never have come about by chance, by evolution. The evidence of an almighty creator is overwhelming. And yet the majority of people do not believe. Why is that? Because they don't want to. You can come with all the evidence in the world, but if they do not want to accept that God has made everything that whatever you say to them, then whatever you say to them will not make any difference. They won't believe it. It's always a matter of faith. It's always a matter of the heart. That's the way it is with everything. Take abortion as an example. Those who are in favor of abortion will not even admit that a baby is alive in the womb. Such a child has its own bloodstream and heartbeat, yet they will consider such a child as being nothing more than an appendix. They don't believe it's alive. Why? Because they don't want to. Man only believes what he wants to, except if the Holy Spirit changes his heart. It is for that reason that the Lord Jesus speaks to Nicodemus about being born again. And what he says to him is something very important. 
And that is clear from the way he introduces what he is about to say. He begins by saying, as the NIV has it, I tell you the truth. Other translations have truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you. That's a better translation. In the Greek, it literally says, Amen, Amen, I say to you. Whatever the Lord, whenever the Lord uses, whenever the Lord Jesus uses these words, you have to pay close attention. He is about to teach you something quite extraordinary. And then come the important words. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus' ultimate concern was the kingdom. He wanted to be part of God's kingdom. That is why he asked the question about the Lord Jesus. Is he the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one from the Lord? Is he the one who holds the key to the kingdom of heaven? And the Lord Jesus understands that. And that ultimately is what motivates all of us. For by nature we are concerned, first of all, about ourselves and our place in the kingdom. For us the question is too, will I go to heaven when I die? Am I going to be enjoying all the wonderful blessings of the life hereafter? That's also what Nicodemus is after. But now the Lord Jesus says that you cannot see the kingdom unless you are born again. Note well that he uses the expression to see the kingdom in verse 3. But in verse 5 he speaks about entering the kingdom. That is because there is a progression in view here. First of all you have to see the kingdom. You have to perceive it. You have to understand what the kingdom is all about. You have to understand who the king is and who the citizens of that kingdom are. And only then can you come to an understanding as to how to enter the kingdom. And so what's God's kingdom all about? Well, God's kingdom is first of all a spiritual kingdom. We have to fix our eyes above where Christ is in heaven. Rather than having a horizontal understanding, we need to have a vertical understanding. And that is why the Lord Jesus uses a word that can have two meanings. The way most translations render what the Lord Jesus says is that you must be born again. But that same word again can also just as easily be translated as above. You must be born from above. And that is why in the NIV... The also gives that as a possible translation in the footnote. The Holy Spirit comes from above. He has to initiate your rebirth. In other words, the rebirth does not come about because of a decision of man. No, it comes from above. Because of something that God does. We come to the second point. Please understand the tradition that Nicodemus is coming from. He is a Pharisee. He is very concerned about his entrance into the kingdom. But he thinks that the way in is through work righteousness. It is through something that you do or because of who you are. 
The Pharisees are proud of the fact that they are descended from Abraham and therefore God's special people. For God made the promises to Abraham and his seed. And so the matter of the kingdom for them is first of all a birthright and in the second place something you yourself contribute to. But that is not the way into the kingdom. It is something much more profound. And that's what Nicodemus, and that's what we have to understand. Oh, sure, the descendants of Abraham are God's special covenant children. But not everyone who is descended from Abraham will be saved. On the contrary, for why are they God's special people? Only because God chose them. Only because God chose to proclaim his word to them. To Israel out of all the other nations. He revealed himself to that nation. He came to them. He came to them with the ten words of the covenant on Mount Sinai. And he gave that to them as a special people. But there were many of God's people who also rejected God's covenant, who did not keep his commandments, who walked away from the covenant, who did not want to listen to the prophets, and who did not want to listen to the greatest prophet of all, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is more to it than just being part of God's special people. It is not just a matter of a physical bond with God and his people, but a matter of a spiritual bond. A moment ago, we baptized three children. They were set apart as God's special children. And that is where the connection with children comes in as well. What makes these children so special? Because of their parents who belong to God's covenant. Because they have parents who are going to teach their children as they grow up in the ways of the Lord. They will teach them about God's wonderful covenant, about his promises, and about his demands. For that is what these parents have just promised to do. They're going to read to them every day from the Bible at the supper table and in the evening when they put them to bed. And as soon as they're able to sit still long enough without making a disturbance they're going to take them along to church. And they're going to make sure that their children are going to receive a Christian education. And then they will send them to catechism classes. And they will make sure that they have Christian friends. You see, it is those things that makes them special, holy even. That is also what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 7.14 that the children of a believing parent are not unclean, but holy. Holiness has to do with the fact that they have been set apart. It has to do with the fact that they are washed with the word. And that's also what the Lord Jesus refers to when he says in John 15 verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word washes you, makes you clean, makes you holy. And so ultimately you are special people because of the word of God that is given to you. In the final analysis, it had nothing to do with you personally. It was not so that the nation Israel was such a fine people that God chose them. 
Israel as such was not any better or more worthy than the other nations around them. And that's also the way it is with God's people today. The parents who brought their children to the baptismal font are not any better than anyone else. They are sinners like everyone else. They are not worthy of themselves. They are not exceptional except for one thing. God's word has been revealed to them. And they believe. And that faith is even a gift from God. Even that faith they cannot boast about. For we have nothing to boast of in ourselves. Now then, what if a child doesn't want anything to do with the word? If after all the instruction the child has received, he or she walks away. Well, then that child has rejected the word of God. And then that grown-up child has only him or herself to blame for the fact that he or she is no longer part of God's covenant, part of God's kingdom. The scriptures does not know of covenantal automatism in that regard. You also have to do something. But please understand that that is not your starting point. The Lord God initiates the covenant. He comes to his special people, including the children, with all his wonderful promises. He does that already before they understand anything at all. He doesn't make a covenant with you because of your faith or anything you do. No, he makes a covenant with you in spite of the great sinner that you are. And in spite of the great sinners that our children are. And that is what the Lord Jesus is exactly trying to tell Nicodemus. Nicodemus pretends that he doesn't understand. But there's lots of stuff that he does understand. But he does come with a question. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Please don't, under, don't think that Nicodemus doesn't really understand what the Lord Jesus is driving at. He knows the scriptures. He knows from the Old Testament scriptures that the Lord God does not just deal with the flesh, but especially with the heart. But Nicodemus, by asking that question, is digging further. He wants to know what man's role is in all this. He wants the Lord Jesus to elaborate. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus does. He says, Amen, Amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Again, he emphasizes that it is God's doing. Nicodemus understands that when the Lord Jesus says that you must be born of water, that then he is speaking of the water of baptism. Nicodemus knew what baptism was all about. It has to do with cleansing. It indicates the cleansing through the blood of, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices which point to the Messiah, to Christ. And it is the cleansing through the water of baptism, or the symbolism of it, that the Pharisees themselves required from any Gentile who was converted to Judaism. They had to be circumcised, and then they also had to be baptized before they were considered to be 
part of God's people and allowed to enter the temple in Jerusalem. The Lord Jesus, however, connects this cleansing ritual up with the Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who washes you and makes you clean and holy. You cannot separate the Holy Spirit from the cleansing. It's God's doing. But when exactly does that happen? Well, listen to how the Lord Jesus explains to Nicodemus the mystery of God's working. He is in control all the way. We come to the third point. In verse 8, he compares the spirit to the wind. In Greek, there are two different words that you can use for wind. But he uses a word that is the same word that is also used for the spirit. In the Old Testament Hebrew language, you can do the same thing. And so it was easy for Nicodemus and the original readers to make the immediate connection between wind or breath and the spirit. And then he reminds Nicodemus about its mysteriousness. You don't always feel the wind. And then suddenly it starts blowing. You can also hear it sometimes. And you don't always know where it's coming from either. It can blow this way or that way or that way, or it cannot be perceptible at all. Well, says the Lord Jesus, that's also the way it is with the Holy Spirit. You have no control over it. You don't know where it goes. It works mysteriously. But God does know. Just like he controls the wind, he also controls the spirit. It's all his doing. There are those who are regenerated and those who are not regenerated. The word regeneration means the same as to be born again. It is ultimately God's business. It is up to God where his spirit will go. He will blow it where he will. Brothers and sisters, our confessions summarize this doctrine most beautifully in the Canons of Dort. In the third and fourth head of doctrine, Article 12, which deals with the fact that regeneration, rebirth, is the work of God alone. That article says this conversion is the regeneration, the new creation, the raising from the dead, the making alive, so highly spoken of in the scriptures, which God works in us without us. But this regeneration is by no means brought about only by outward teaching, by moral persuasion, or by such a mode of operation that after God has done his part, it remains in the power of man to be regenerated or not regenerated, converted or not converted. It is, however, clearly a supernatural, most powerful, and at the same time, most delightful, marvelous, mysterious, and inexpressible work. And in Article 13 it says, In this life, believers cannot fully understand the way in which God does this work. Meanwhile, however, it is enough for them to know and experience that by this grace of God, they believe with the heart and love their Savior. It's the mysterious work of God. That is clear from the Word of God. That is clear from our confessions. But no doubt you will still have a question at this point. 
How do I know whether or not I have been reborn? How do I know whether or not I have the Holy Spirit? Well, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls, the Lord Jesus compares the concept of birth to rebirth because there are a lot of similarities. He gives that analogy in order to help us understand better. How do you know as parents that your child is born? Well, that's obvious. You can see that with your eyes. Your child is alive. You were there. And because you nurture that child, he or she continues to grow and to grow and to grow. Those babies in front of us in no time flat are going to weigh double the amount they weigh right now. That's because of the good food they will be receiving. And they will continue to grow and to grow until they're adults. Well, you see, the same thing is true of our rebirth. How do you know you're born again? Well, first of all, you're alive. You're alive in Christ. In Matthew 18, we read that the Lord Jesus welcomed the little children to him. And he says to his disciples that those little children belong to the kingdom of God. And so a little baby, a child, is already a child of a part of the kingdom. And how do you know that further? Because day in, day out, they are being fed. Fed God's word. And they grow in their faith. And that's the way it is for all of us. We grow in our faith. But how is that evident? Well, that is evident from the way that you conduct yourself. Because you have been fed God's word. And then you try to live in accordance to God's commandments. You do, don't you? We all do. Oh, sure, you fail. You fail all the time. But nevertheless, that's what you want to do, isn't it? And then when you do fail, then you ask the Lord God for the forgiveness of your sins. It is in that way that you remain a child of God. And it is in this way that the Holy Spirit continues to work in you. And that kind of growth you will see in your children as well. Because they're being fed God's word, they respond to it. They say their prayers at night and talk to God. They can retell their Bible stories. And they know that when they do something wrong, that then they sin, sin against God. And so they also learn to ask for the forgiveness of their sins. They learn to live out of the promises of God, out of what he has done. And so they grow and they grow in the Lord. Isn't that wonderful how that works? And so we see already that you receive the Holy Spirit at birth. Those who are brought up in Christian homes slowly but surely grow in their faith. There's not an exact point where they can say that they were born again. But you may say there are people who can give a date of their rebirth. No doubt there are some of you also amongst us here today. And they remember that they became totally new creatures when they heard the gospel of salvation. They went from one type of life to another type of life. They went from being dead to being alive. It also happens that those who were brought up in a Christian home at first do not really respond to what they are being taught. They reject it. And then suddenly there comes a point in their life when they turn around. They wake up. 
And that's true. But please, again, don't think that it happens because of man's effort. Also, when you come to faith at a later age, it is still in response to what God has done. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us, and here it comes. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That new birth, that rebirth, that regeneration, that conversion is given to you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is given to all those who belong to him. And so your rebirth happened already long before you were born. But now you have to respond to that. Make no mistake about it. And that's true for children as well as for adults. Some respond to that later than others and differently. But our rebirth is never done on the basis of our faith. If that's the case, how do you know your faith is good enough? You won't. You will be left unsure. It's on the basis of what is done from above. You must be born from above. You must be born by the Holy Spirit. And so when were you born again? At the time of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's when you were born again. But you have to make that new birth a reality in your life. You have to live out of the promises that God has given to you. You have to live out of what God has done for you. You have to live out of those wonderful promises. Being born again has to do with conversion. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's a daily activity. Every time again you have to deny your old nature and put on the new. You have to say no to sin and yes to the law. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. The Lord Jesus gives you a new birth through his resurrection. He made you part of his kingdom. And now show that as a reality in your life. And acknowledge that God is in control of all things. For to him belongs the honor and glory. Amen.